Hey friends, Scott Sullivan here, Discipleship Catalyst, Georgia Baptist Mission Board. And we are um, super excited as we are every week to bring another broadcast. And we have a special guest with us that we are going to be talking about the topic of men's ministry. And just the idea of really being more than a fish fry or big buck banquet, but uh, just a great discussion with a guy who's doing it really well, leading an organization that is committed to not just reaching men, but discipling them. So uh, I'm excited to have Ray Sullivan. He's our uh, discipleship consultant in the southeast region of Georgia and just a stud in the area of men's ministry, was doing it really well, was a proponent of that before he came on board with us. So Ray, thank you for uh, co-hosting this and leading our discussion and actually uh, producing this while you're co-hosting. So you're double dipping. We appreciate you, buddy. And then we also have Kevin Harris. He is the president of Radical Mentoring. And um, when I'm looking at what's happening in Georgia, there are a couple of organizations that are doing this really well, Kevin. You're one of those. So, you know, when I think about what this, the purpose of this broadcast, which is to inspire and resource and create disciple makers in Georgia, what you're doing fits there. And man, we're grateful for that. We're grateful for you coming on, sharing wisdom with that. And uh, as we get into this, Ray, uh, why don't you lead discussion? And let me just mention two other things. One, that you've uh, written a blog that we'll be dropping this in the comments below. Uh, so make sure that for those of you who are watching, go to that blog, read that. And we'd love to hear from you if you have questions on that. Ray will be interacting directly through the uh, chats and comments. Also, as we do every week, we're giving away free swag. So make sure you drop a comment below. Let us know where you're from, that you're on there. And we'll be uh, pulling a name here shortly and be sending you just lots of free product that will help you and hopefully encourage you along the way. So Ray, jump in and got our discussion, bud. Hey, thank you, Scott. Man, I, I have been looking forward to this uh, this conversation uh, for a long time. I, I met Kevin Harris, um, gosh, as a pastor. I was pastoring a, a local church down here in South Georgia and working with men's ministry. And I, I just saw that, you know, we, we were doing pretty good at, at activities and events and we were getting guys coming. But you know, I, I remember what Patrick Morley said. He said, you know, if, if all you do is, is your events have men to do, there's nothing, there's no glue to hold them together after the event. And so I was struggling with that. And, and I came across Kevin's ministry with Radical Mentoring. I, I read the book, uh, Reggie Campbell uh, wrote uh, Mentor Like Jesus. And uh, so I called Kevin and uh, he began to talk to me uh, as a pastor, helping me to figure out how I can engage my men in something that that a lot of us, and I would say not just laymen in the church, but pastors, we've never experienced this. We've never had these deep relationships, these spiritual relationships with other guys where we're growing in our faith, where we're doing life together and doing it like Jesus did it. And so uh, Kevin was a, a great help to me. So when I began to write this blog, and you'll see that blog title, it's okay to think small in men's ministry. A lot of times we're thinking about the big events and and, uh, but we, we've got to get back to thinking small, those, those relationships and building those relationships with our men. Obviously, I thought about Kevin and the, and the ministry there. So Kevin, man, thanks for, for joining us. Thanks for giving us the time today um, uh, to, to speak with us and share with us your experience. Now, now you're not a pastor. Uh, you, you are not a pastor. You haven't been a pastor. You are a product right. of a mentoring relationship with another guy. Uh, and this is what we want to see, I guess, in our churches. This is, you're kind of the poster child, I guess, for, for our churches of what can happen with, with a, with a intentional ministry to men. So if you would, man, just share us, share with us a little bit about 
your story and how you came to this position of where you are today. Yeah, no, I'm, I'd rather be a poster child than a swimsuit model, that's for sure. And um, Ray, if this is the most exciting thing you've been looking forward to, then you need to get out of it. But I won't let you down. Um, so yeah, so I was a uh, young married guy, business guy, and um, was invited by a friend of mine to be a, be a participant in a mentoring group. So I got an email from a guy named Reggie Campbell, who at the time I didn't know Reggie. Um, and all the email said was write your obituary and send it back to me. Mm. And I thought, well, that's a little bit of a strange request from a guy I've never met before. But, you know, you think about an obituary, it's sort of a vision statement for your life. And as a newlywed with no kids, thinking that I was about to grab the business bull by the horns and take off and change the world. Um, I probably wrote something like that. And Reggie thought, man, this guy, I got to get a hold of him quick. So I showed up at Reggie's house and um, gosh, February of 2002, still have my mentoring binder from that first meeting and um, heard Reggie's story, listened to Reggie pray, an authentic prayer with his heavenly father, got to sit around the table with six other guys who were in different ages and stages of life than I was, but all had really a, a similar journey and father wounds and got to have authentic and real conversations that was raw that didn't I didn't typically experience in the church world and um you know Reggie God used Reggie to change my life and I lost my dad when I was in high school and I think I had some really bad uh, bad theology and Reggie began to work that in me and through me and I'd love to say I took his advice and everything was great after that I stepped into the business world and started my career but had a great friend and mentor and Reggie for a long, long time. Reggie just passed away this past January. Um, but about seven years ago, I was wrapping up a couple of deals uh, in the business world and I was traveling every week and I was burnt out and frustrated and depressed and angry and lonely. I had still married and had some great, got young, young boys. And um, Reggie just began, he sat me down at breakfast and said, God's put this on my heart. I haven't been able to ask you about this before, but I'm going to ask now, would you consider stepping into radical mentoring and just sort of helping me figure out where this thing needs to go. And so that was a conversation seven years ago. And over the last five years, I've been basically trying to take the exact same model Reggie led us through in 2002, um, formalized it in uh, Mentor Like Jesus, which was published the first time in 2009, 2010, when radical mentoring started, we began to grow. Uh, and we began to realize that you can't ignore the local church that the local church is the light of the world, that the local church has got older guys with a story to tell who want to be on purpose and alive, and they've got younger men who want to experience life change, and how can we help uh, bridge those two generations with a mentoring model? And uh, so that's what we've been doing. That's what I've been doing the last five years is really just engaging guys like you when you were in the pastorate, and, but also just independent mentors, guys who are involved in their churches but aren't on staff who just have a heart to Age younger guys. So that's what we've been doing. And you can find all of that on radicalmentoring.com. You can dig around and find all those resources like that. This is this is gonna be fun. That's awesome. And I mean that that's what I love about it, Kevin. Um, you know, a lot of times as pastors, we 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 read books and, and we go to seminars and we hear, you know, what other churches are doing, but uh, you know, you're you're a you're a product 
uh, of, of Reggie's intentional mentoring in your life. And uh, I've read the book and man, it's, uh, it's really shaped me as far as, you know, my engagement with other guys and, and uh, being a mentor. And uh, so I just want to ask you, so you talk to a lot of pastors and, and ministry leaders that call you. So what, what do you think are the challenges? What are, what are people saying when it comes to men's ministry? Why, why are they calling you? What, what are they looking for? I think the greatest challenge in men's ministry, I think, is really men, hmm. which you might think, duh, but I think, you know, I look at my, even my faith journey. I was, you know, saved in the Baptist church when I was in the eighth grade. I went on a mission trip, and I could probably be able to show up at any men's event, church event, sit at a table, drink a cup of coffee, eat my chicken biscuit. I could answer most questions that you would ask me and you would think everything's fine with Kevin and I could drift in and drift out. But I wasn't able, ever able to or willing to open myself up and share some of those places inside of me that I knew, uh, you know, the, that, that vacuum that only God could fill. And, um, and I, so I think there's a men issue there. I think there's also, in some cases, there's a church issue and the churches don't know what to do with that. They know men are important. They know if they get the man and get the family and how that sort of grows from there, but they haven't quite figured out. I think Scott jokingly said, you know, you can do your big buck dinners and your pancake breakfasts and, you know, we'll, we'll throw events out and guys will step into those events willingly knowing that they can attend, still leave unknown and, and probably not be called on to go do anything else. And so I think, you know, churches haven't figured out how to fully engage men and men haven't figured out that in order for God and to change their lives, they have to be fully engaged. So yeah. it's a little bit of that combination of two. Yeah. And I think one of the things that I've seen, and I'll just say this from, from, from my standpoint as a 29 year pastor, um, you know, I, I never learned mentoring. I, I never learned how to mentor. I mean, it, it wasn't part of my seminary curriculum. Um, you know, I learned how to preach. I learned how to exegete. I learned how to do counseling. I learned how to do church administration. I could talk to groups. And we talk a lot, you know, in our, in our ministry, our discipleship ministry, about a balanced approach um, of, of disciple making and that being, you know, the large crowds to the smaller groups, to the small group, to the one-on-one, -on -one, you know, to the individual relationship we have. You know, I, I learned a little bit about my individual relationship, how to have a quiet time. I learned about how to preach to crowds. Man, that middle section of engaging other guys and doing life with them and dealing with those issues, most pastors, and I don't know if this is this this has been my experience and the guys I'm talking to, are you seeing where pastors are calling saying, you know, I, I'm not sure I know how to do this myself. Nobody ever did this for me. Yeah, no doubt. I think we, I hear that a lot. Um, but I think that's why I think the word mentoring is really important because, you know, for Reggie, when he started doing this, he wasn't a pastor. And mm -hmm. so mentoring was a culturally relevant word that, that resonated with him and he could, you know, he could blend that into his conversations. Now, you said something. Most men, most people think mentoring is kind of a one-on-one -on -one relationship where you sit at a Starbucks or a Waffle House and you sort of stare at each other across the table. And there's not a lot of structure to it. And, and those relationships, some last a long time, some fizzle out because there's not enough structure. And so what Reggie basically said was, look, I don't want to go to breakfast and walk with one-on-one -on -one with 10 to 15 guys all around Atlanta, I want to leverage my time and I would invest in a core group who are willing to go a little bit deeper where I can leverage my story in that group and I can facilitate. 
you know, if you ask me to lead a discipleship class, I may go, oh, that sounds like I need to know a bunch of stuff before. I need to be able to exegete and all those other things. But if I ask you to mentor somebody, you may need a little bit of structure to it. But most people think, man, mentoring is really just about your story, what God did in your life, what God continues to do in your life, and your availability and willing to say, what do you guys think? I don't know. Help, help Kevin solve that problem. Help, help Ray with that issue. You guys, let's talk about it. So it really, when you get down to the core of these mentoring relationships, it's mentor facilitating a conversation with four to eight other guys around the table around a topic, but it's never about the content driving the time. It's about the relationship driving that time. The content's there just to serve as kind of a place to talk. If you need it. Yeah. It's really about the relationships and the stories. Yeah, and man, that yeah. is so good. Uh, Scott? Ray, if I can jump in there just a second. Kevin, one of the things that, that I feel like you guys are doing really well, and I just want to point this out, um, 29 years local church experience for me before I got here to the convention, probably the main phrase that I would say that, that hurt our men, I felt like culture promoted this. I feel like even sometimes the systems in our churches promoted this was male passivity. Just that idea that our men weren't leading, they didn't know how to lead, they didn't have a model for that. So what you guys are doing, not just even in a group of 12 to 20, you know, or 50, but trying to get them into those intimate relationships. Number one, we're a stupid creature. There's me and we don't do intimacy well. It doesn't come naturally, right? But, I, but once I experience that, man, I don't ever want to go back. Right. And, and that is one of the things that you guys are doing well and, and a few others in our state. So, I mean, I just want to highlight that 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 is not a, a godly trait for our men, male passivity. We have got to be able to make a decision. We have got to be able to lead our families to be future tense thinkers and know where we're going to go and then bring people along with us. So I just wanted to highlight something you're doing really well. Well, I think the key to all that, thank you, Scott, is, you know, we really promote this idea of a story retreat on the front end of our mentoring process. So I can remember, um, first time I heard Reggie's story in my mind, I sort of thought this is going to be well buttoned up. He's going to have it all together. He's successful. He's got a beautiful wife. He's got kids that are healthy and out in the real world. And when he began to walk through, you know, what I affectionately, he didn't tell, he didn't tell us the Sunday morning version of his story. He gave us his true authentic self. He didn't say, and I met Jesus and everything was perfect. It was, I still stumble. I still struggle. This is what happened to me yesterday. And then we go to this retreat, and he gives us, as, as the guys, permission to share our story. And so we sit around a dining room table or around a you know, fire pit, and I know that Pete's dad died when he was um, of, of alcoholism, and Pete had to be a pallbearer at his dad's funeral because his dad didn't have enough friends. And my dad died in a car accident when I was in high school. David, David's dad died in ALS. And all of a sudden, within knowing these guys – 30 days, we are sharing our true, authentic selves with each other. And all of a sudden, I can go, man, I, I thought I was the only guy in the world dealing with fill in the blank. And now Ray's sharing his story, and he and I are struggling with the same thing. Scott's sharing his story, and he's struggling with the same thing. So we just lock arms from the very beginning. And everything else, the content that follows behind it, is all hinged on the fact that we have gone deeper in 30 days than guys who've been in studies with the same group of men for 15 years mm -hmm. men are known and they and if all i did was help 
facilitate story retreats and never did anything else, man, it just helps guys come alive. And, and you said it, once you get them there, they do not want to go back. Yeah. So you're exactly right. Yeah, Kevin, you mentioned, and man, you, some of you said this jumped out at me because you said, you know, men who have been in studies, you know, we think about discipleship uh, in our churches today. We think about men's ministry. We think about a men's study. You know, we're going to study the Bible. Or if we think about mentoring, it's going to be one-on-one. And I'm going to sit across the table at Starbucks, and we're going to open the Bible. And give me not, nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with the Bible. Open right. the Bible, and I'm going to teach you the Bible. And guys are like, oh, man, I can't do that. I don't feel. But but this this idea of doing life together, of, of walking with them, of sharing the story. You know, I was telling Scott the other day that, you know, Philippians 4 has become such a, a pivotal you know, passage, um, chapter in my life, because, you know, we always, as a preacher, so many times I preach Philippians 4, 8, finally brothers, whatever's true, whatever's honorable, just pure, lovely, commendable, man, this is what we want our guys to have, right? You know, this, this, but we, we've always tried to teach them that, you know? And so Paul says in verse nine, he says, what you have learned, and that's normally where we stop right there. Yeah. It's learned. Well, this is what we've done in a classroom. This is what I've taught you. He says, what you have learned, and then he says, and received, and heard, and seen in me. Practice these things. And I, I mean, I was like, whoa, that, you know, it's not just what we teach across a table. It's not just sitting down with a guy and, and, and teaching him scripture. It's letting them see scripture alive in us and the way that we react, and the way that we deal with life, and the struggles we have, and man, that's when we talk about men's ministry, we talk about the challenges to men's ministry, to me, getting guys to that chair, you know, that's the, that's the, that's where all pastors, that's where we want to see them, so, so let me ask you this, how do you do that, I mean, what, what would be your, how do you get guys, because all of us have done the programs, you know, we're going to do this, we want you to join, and it may last a season and then it's, it disappears and we don't see multiplication out of that and all that. So wh yeah. what do you think on that? How do you, how, do, how will you help these pastors? First thing I tell anybody in those initial conversations is radical mentoring cannot replace anything that you do. We can't become your full men's ministry. We can't become your full discipleship strategy. We can be a part of it. Yeah. And because I think the key that, that helps in our situation so well is we're asking men to take, make a high level of commitment. Not everybody can do it. Mm -hmm. And we're asking men to be fully transparent and vulnerable and, and, and not all men are want to do that. So we have a covenant document that we have these, we have guys apply to be a part of these groups. We have a covenant document that we have them sign and have their wives sign that says basically on top of a lot of other things, I'm going to be at every meeting. I'm going to do my homework assignments. I'm going to be, you know, on time. I'm going to read the books. I'm going to be fully prepared. So you're almost asking guys to opt out because they think the requirements are a little bit too high, hmm. which in many ways is a little countercultural because we want to, as churches kind of do the come one, come all, let's yeah. create these big events. We want you to feel welcome. What we're trying to say here is this is a this is the next step. If you've been coming to our men's breakfast every Saturday morning, there's a core group of you that we think are willing to go, that are, want to go a little further. Here's another opportunity. So one thing is what you're asking of the men. The second thing that I think makes a difference is the mentor selection. 
And then I think what most churches will find is the guys that raise their hand first to, to be the first ones to jump in to do something, they may, or, or they may be your best teachers, they're going to be your worst mentors mm. oftentimes. Because, you know, if I, if I think I'm going to invite, I'm leading a group of guys that are going to be here next, my six mentees are going to be here next Monday. We're going to talk about money and finances. Well, if I talk at the very beginning about, you know, I'm going to tell you guys everything I know about money for the next three hours, no guy wants to be a part of that. Right. Because we've shared stories and we've journeyed through this process together. These guys are going to bring a, a number. They're going to bring what they've given as a percentage basis every year over the last three years. And we're going to sit around and around the table and we'll talk about how much we're giving our money away because I know that that's going to reflect these guys' hearts that's not going to be something everybody can do. Yeah. So if you get the wrong mentor in place who sees this as an opportunity to teach, then the mentees aren't going to respond. So when churches, when churches call me and go, it's not working the way I thought it was, it's typically mentor selection and they haven't held the guys to the standard. So I show up late, which there's a, there's a great story in here about a guy who shows up late to his first meeting. That's about me. Um, names were protected. Names were changed to protect the innocent. If I show up late and nothing's said, the next week, next month, two guys are going to show up late. I showed up late and Reggie said, look, don't show up late again because you wasted my time and you wasted the time of everybody else around this table. And so we're not going to do that. You signed a covenant that said you weren't going to be late. Don't let it happen. Mm. Well, guess what? I was in his driveway 30 minutes before staring in his window like a puppy dog waiting right. for him to open the door because I was not going to be late again. And he held me to that standard. Those are the things that I, I, I think as pastors, you know, we're, we're pastors, we're scared of that. I mean, and, and let's just be honest, we're scared men to hold people to that accountability. If we do this, they're not going to come. We make them sign a covenant. They're not going to come. But man, you go back and you look at Jesus and Jesus, you know, people come and say, what must I do? I said, go and sell everything you own. You know, come yeah. follow me there. There's high accountability. And I think that goes back to kind of what, you know, that, that blog um, title that that's, that's here on the screen. Y'all, you guys can, I hope you, you'll take a chance to read that. What, you know, it's okay to dream small, you know, take two or three guys. And I talk to pastors all the time. They're like, man, where do I begin? And I'm like, you know, who, who are you mentoring? Are there two or three guys that you can invite into this process? Man, don't, don't feel like you got to go get all the men of your church on right. this right now. Start where you are. That's what Jesus did. You know, he just, he could have chose 4,500, you know, but he, but he chose 12 and then he really invested right. in those three. And so I think that's the encouragement. Um, and, and, and guys, I'd like to, you know, some of you pastors and, and men's leaders that are watching this, you know, comment on here, let us know what you're doing. Are you guys mentoring people? You know, we can't, Listen, we can't ask our church to do things. We can't ask our men to do things we're not doing. That, that's just the bottom line. And uh, so, so where where are you in the process right now? Are you praying about? I met with two guys yesterday, and that's how we left the the meeting. When we left, we say, "Let's pray for each other," because all three of us are praying about those next mentees. Who God are you going to bring into my life that I can that I can invest in and challenge uh, in this in this process? And I mean, it can't you can't be thinking big here. I mean, you just start where we are. So, uh, Kevin, we're, we're running out of time here, but I, man, I wanted to ask you this. So, so the greatest benefits, I mean, we, you know, we pastors, you know, we're like, Hey man, what, what's this going to do for my church? And I just told you we're, we're starting small. So we're, we may not see, you know, on our ACR, our end of church profile that we put out at the end of the year, we may not see 500 guys in men's ministry, but what's the greatest benefit that you see to this? Well, I see a couple of things. Number one, 
um, we do a survey. We provide a survey that you can use to give your mentees at the end of the mentoring season. 58% of the men who go through radical mentoring groups are giving more to their local church and, Christ and other Christian causes. I think that's powerful. Now, you're not doing this to get guys to give, but what you're doing is you, when you get a man fully involved and fully alive and fully known, his wallet's going to come behind it. You're also going to have a core group of leaders that you can lean into and rely on who are going to be the kind of guys that will be your next elders. They're going to be the next you know, table leaders at your men's events. They're going to be your next uh, mentors in many ways. And so it is a ministry of multiplication in that if you're pouring into these guys for nine to 12 months, you're able then at the end to ask them. That's one of the things the covenant document says some point in the future, I'm going to lead another group. So you're building this core band of brothers where you've got guys who read the same books, memorized the same scriptures, shared the same homework assignments, had this shared experience that over time, you're not starting big, but over time as it multiplies, it has the potential to become really big and really powerful and really effective. So I think you're just building yourself a team of people around you that you'll be able I remember reading in, in the book, in Reggie's book, where he, he came to this realization himself and he said, you know, if I invest in 15 guys and I do this once a year, and it was, it's the process we talk about with discipleship of multiplication, you know, versus yeah. addition. if I do this and, and in 15 years, if, if each year, just four or five of my guys do this, you know, and I, he did the math on that. And it was like over a million something people. It's unbelievable. Yeah. So you, like, you had an opportunity. <laughs> invest and so hey guys it is it, it's okay to dream small and, uh, and and the quote in that book that i think resonates so much is more time with fewer people is greater kingdom impact more yeah. time fewer people is greater kingdom impact. uh any any guys that i have met with or pastors i've met with they've heard me use that quote that tim elmore quote um yeah. you know more time with fewer people equals greater kingdom impact. And man, that goes against everything we're taught, everything. basically as pastors, you know, you got to worry about the big crowd. You got to get everything going. You got to get the numbers and, but multiple. Right. So, hey, Kevin, thanks for what you're doing. Uh, thanks for radical mentoring. It's meant a lot to me uh, and helped me in my journey uh, and in my process. And, and I know it can be a, a benefit to other guys as well. So they can connect with you. Uh, your information is here. Um, awesome. And um, so hopefully, um, you know, if guys need that, need some kind of structure in that, you can definitely help them out. Scott, any closing thoughts, man? You bet. I love it. Thank you, Ray, for bringing this topic that is important for every church in every region and every state and every country. Men's ministry has to be done well. This isn't an option for us in the local church. So, Kevin, thank you for providing a, a resource in the heart and wisdom and a model for how this can work, what it can look like. And uh, it's just great. And some of you that are viewing may have a question about, well, if I do this and I can get into these smaller groups, how does that fit into the overall disciple-making strategy of our church? Um, that's why our consultants are in the field. That's why we've hired them. They'd love to meet with us. So uh, drop a note below. We'll connect you there. And then, of course, we'd love for you to connect with Kevin. He's just a wealth of wisdom on this topic. So thanks for engaging. And as, as always, make sure you leave your name, your uh, comment, so we can give away some free swag. But also, let me leave you just with the same thought we do every week. Make sure you reinvest the gospel seed that was shared with you. See you next time.